0: If you want to take your Bibles out, turn with me to the book of Acts, chapter 2. Anybody know what is in Acts, chapter 2? Come on, if you're Pentecostal, you you should know what that book is all about. Amen? Come on, you can say amen. You're Pentecostal, right? It's not going to frighten me. I'm not going to lose my place. And if you get quiet, it's like the old guy said, he said, he, the preacher was preaching one morning and he went over to this guy and after church and he said, you're always in my amen corner, deacon. He said, why are you so quiet? He said, well, he said, when you say amen, it's like saying sick him to a bulldog. And the deacon said, well, pastor, it's kind of hard to say sick him when the bulldog's got you by the seat of the pants. So if you get quiet, uh huh, I'm going to think I'm preaching to you. <laughs> amen. Could somebody shut that back door, please? Thank you. Acts chapter 2 and verse 14. It says, But Peter, standing up in with the 11, that's the 11 apostles, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea, and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem... Be this known unto you, and hearken to my words. For this, for these, talking about these men that's preaching, are not drunk, as ye suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. Verse 16, it says, but this is that. I want you to say that with me. This is that. Say it again. This is that. This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Verse 17 is the prophecy that Joel spoke in Peter's reciting. And it says, and, this, and it shall come to pass in the last days, plural, saith God. I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh, that's plural, and your sons, plural, and your daughters, plural, shall prophesy, and young men, plural, Shall see visions, plural, and old men, plural, will have dreams, plural, and on my servants, plural, and on my handmaidens, plural. I will pour out in those days, plural, in my spirit, and they, plural, shall prophesy. Now, God is going to pour out his spirit. God sent his son. When Jesus came, I preached on this several weeks back. Jesus set aside his deity. He was God. We we believe that Jesus was the almighty God in the flesh, but he chose to set aside his deity and become just a man. We know that because he was tempted. The Bible says that God is a spirit and he cannot be tempted Neither tempteth he any man, but every man is tempted when he's drawn away by his own lust and enticed. And then when lust is and that's in the book of James. So the fact that Jesus was tempted shows that he set aside his deity. And and he took on the form of a man. The Bible says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he was in in the form of a man and he counted it not robbery to be equal with God, but he made himself Of no reputation and took upon himself the, the, uh, uh, the act of a servant, even unto death. So he became a servant. He became a man just like you and I so that he could experience the same things that we did. And when he left, he said, I am not going to leave you comfortless, but I'm going to pray to the father and he is going to send you the Holy Spirit. And when he comes, he will lead you into all truth. And so the Holy Spirit was sent by God for a specific purpose. And even though God sent his spirit, he sent him to lead us, to convict us, to teach us, to be our helper, to comfort us, and also to empower us. But the Bible said that through the prophet Joel, God said also, besides all of those things that the Holy Spirit's going to do, he is going to be poured out upon you. He's gonna be poured out upon you. And he's not gonna just be poured out on the day of Pentecost. Because a lot of people get the idea that on the day of Pentecost, God poured out his spirit and that was it. That his spirit has been poured out in the earth in its entirety and that's it. But what I bring to you today is the fact that he will pour out his spirit on all flesh. Yes. Yes. On your sons, yes. plural. Your daughters, plural. Yes. On young men, plural. On the old men, plural. On the handmaidens, plural. And he will do it in those days, plural. He didn't just pour out his spirit on the day of Pentecost and that's it. God pours out his spirit over and over and over and over again. He's done that and he will continue to do that. Throughout history, God has done this. And he pours out his spirit when he chooses, how he chooses where he chooses, on whom he chooses, and for his own purpose. We know, but Paul teaches on this in the book of Corinthians. He said, it's a mystery. He said, but I want to teach you about the manifestation of the Spirit. And he gives these gifts unto men, this manifestation gifts, and he gives them as he chooses. So, so the Holy Spirit does many different things in this very day. The words of wisdom, words of knowledge, uh, uh, prophecy, healings, miracles, tongues, interpretations. All these things the Holy Spirit does in these days. And he's done that and continues to do that. And he does it when and how and where he chooses on whom he chooses for his own purpose. And it's unpredictable. You, You can't orchestrate the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. People have tried to do that. I have witnessed people trying to do that. You just can't work it up. You can't orchestrate it. You can't predict it. You can't set the stage for it. You can't, it's entirely up to him. And it's unpredicted when and how and where he's going to do that. The Bible says that the spirit is Jesus is talking to Nicodemus. If you remember the story, Nicodemus says, well, how can I be saved? He said, you must be born again. And he's like, how can I enter the second time into my mother's womb? And he goes on to teach him about the Holy Spirit. He said, the Holy Spirit is like the wind. Where does the wind come from? Where does it go? Nobody can answer that question. He said, this Holy Spirit is the same way. He moves when, where, and how he chooses. You can't tell where he comes from. You can't tell where he goes. We just know that he moves. Sometimes it's very calm and quiet. Now, the, the reason that I'm preaching on this is because several Sundays ago, Pastor Joel was preaching. It was the fifth Sunday. And that morning during worship, I'm standing over there, and Sister Megan is playing her violin. And she hit some notes that just absolutely took me into the third heaven. I'm going to tell you, it was beautiful. And it just caught my attention. How beautiful that sound was. And as I'm listening to that, it entered into my mind that the sound of that instrument went out from that instrument to every minute speck in this room. That there's not a place in this room that that sound didn't touch. And as I thought about that, I said, that sound, it's it's touching everything. In this room, it touched your ears, it touched the ceiling, it touched the lights, it touched everything. And just as I thought that, the scripture of Isaiah 11, 50, 55, 11 came into my mind. It says, and so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It will not return unto me void, but it will accomplish that which I please, and it will prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. What is that? This is That which was spoken by the prophet Joel. I will pour out my spirit in the last days. I will pour. What happened? The Holy Spirit came over there and said, and just poured out a drop of his presence and said, listen to that violin. I heard it in my imagination. The sounds hitting all this. The word of God came to my mind. What was that? This is that. Are you seeing this church? It happens all the time. Sometimes it's calm. Sometimes it's a rushing mighty wind like on the day of Pentecost. In John chapter 3, Jesus said this, the wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the spirit. And so just like that violin, it came into my mind, that imagination that came into my mind, I believe that is where we, most of the time we hear the voice of God. It's in your imagination. You get a thought because people's like, well, the Lord spoke to me. Well, how does God speak to you? I don't know anybody that in my, in my acquaintance that has ever heard the audible voice of God But we hear God in our imagination, in our thoughts. When you have a thought that's not your own, and I believe that that's the way that the Holy Spirit speaks to us, is in our imagination. That morning, as I'm listening to that, just to kind of show you how this works, I'm listening to that, and I got up that morning, and as I'm introducing Pastor Joel as the speaker that day, I shared with you about the violin, And about what the Lord put in my spirit about my word shall not return unto me void. What I didn't know is he's getting ready to preach on reading your Bible out loud in your home. Okay. So that it goes forth and it is soaked into the carpet. It's soaked into the walls. It's soaked into the ceiling because we have all kinds of negativity spoken out loud in our home. You need to declare the word of God in your home. What was the Holy Spirit doing? Because it was the Holy Spirit. I didn't ask him what he was preaching. No, I had no idea what he was going to preach on that morning. But the Holy Spirit poured out a confirmation about what he was saying that morning. My word goes forth. It doesn't return void. This is that. This is that. Which the Holy Spirit said he would do in the last days. It's in your imagination. Sometimes our imagination is our own creation. Sometimes it's the things we hear. Sometimes it's the things that we see. But sometimes it's spiritually inspired. But there's also a caution about this. Because not every voice that you hear is the voice of God. And not in every imagination that you hear is God speaking to you. In fact... John 4, 1 says, Beloved, believe not every spirit. Well, what is that talking about? It says try the spirits to see if they be of God or not. Why? Because spirits are speaking to you. Spirits are speaking to you. And not every spirit that speaks to you is God. The Bible says that Satan comes as an angel of light. He would deceive even God's very elect if it's possible. First Timothy 4, 1 Timothy 4.1 says, now the Spirit, that's a capital S, that's the Holy Spirit of God, expressly says that in latter times. How many of you know that's now? Yeah. All right. Some will depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits or deceiving spirits and doctrines of devils. What does that mean? You're listening to and obeying demon spirits. Church, I'm seeing that happen in the churches. Of the world today. People are acting out. They're, they're, they're in defiance. They're in rebellion. And they think and believe that they are in the center of God's will. And don't even realize that they're listening to and giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of demons. And becoming the enemy of the church. And don't even realize it. It's, it's an epidemic in the church world. This pandemic, the district superintendent, we had a meeting here just not long ago and he said, what, what's going on in your church is some of us share. And he said, guys, it's happening throughout the entire district and across the nation. He said, one third, what we're finding is one third of the people are returning to the church when the church doors open back up. One third, this is not just here at CVG. this is throughout the nation. One third, have decided they're just going to stay home in, the, in their pajamas and with their hot chocolate and coffee and just watch it live stream. And so one-third are mad about the way you handled it. Because if you made them put on the mask, they're mad. If you didn't make them put on the mask, they're mad. And they're mad at you and they're not coming back at all. What is that? Is that a reason to be upset? and break. Listen, there is a reason not to come and fellowship with people that God has brought you to. You know what the reason is? God has led you somewhere else. And that's the only reason church. I left a church one time and God didn't lead me to leave it. I will never, ever do that again. Cause brother, you don't want to go to the woodshed. Who knows what going to the woodshed means? You don't never want a whooping from the Lord. It's the way sister put it one time. I don't want a whooping from the Lord. Well, I got to preaching and lost my place. Let me find where I'm at here. Sometimes it's your own creation, but it is a spiritually inspired, and we need to test the spirits to see if they be of God or not. Second Corinthians chapter 10 says, Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. The weapons of a warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God. To the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imagination. Well, why would you cast down imagination? Because some of your imagination is not from God. It's imagination that is spiritually inspired by demonic spirits, and you cast those down. When you know that it's in defiance and contrary to God's word, you need to reject that and cast it down. He said, in every high thing, it exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And bring into captivity every thought or your imagination to the obedience of Christ. Because not every imagination honors the commands of Christ. So not every spirit of God. But understanding that, we also need to understand that a lot of times, church, your imagination is from God. And when that happens, this is that which is spoken by the prophet Joel. I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. That doesn't mean the entire globe, but it means all those that are in every son of God. It's like the wind, he said. The spirit is going to move in your life if you're a child of God. And sometimes it is the will of God. I didn't pray, did I? Father, we just ask in Jesus' name, Lord. We we need you, Holy Spirit. God, we pray. We sang that last song. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come and fill this place with the and, and saturate it with the atmosphere, God. And you are, Holy Spirit, we cannot, choose not to Do anything apart from your presence. Holy Spirit, we need you. I need you. I need your anointing to declare your word. God, may it be done with accuracy, Lord, and truth. And Father, if there's anything that is mistaken and error, Lord, I pray that you just correct it, Lord. But God, if it is in truth, Lord, help us to hear it, Lord, and to act upon it. In Jesus' name, amen. So he's telling us, and I want to look at that this morning, the outpouring of the Spirit. It's plural. It's plural. It's plural on people. It's plural in in the the days that it's going to be done. And I know from scripture, I know from history, I know from my own experience, God has taught me that God pours out his spirit and he does this over and over and over. And he still does that today. He does it when he chooses, where he chooses, how he chooses, on whom he chooses and for the purpose that he chooses. Always has. And he still does. Sometimes he does it in measure. Well, he always does it in measure. Sometimes it's just a very small measure, just like the violin thing. That wasn't, that wasn't for a revival that's going to break out and suddenly last for years. God just dropped a thought in my heart, and he does this not just through me. Sometimes other people have words of wisdom, words of knowledge to share. And it's the Holy Spirit that just dropped that little nugget in maybe for something that is momentary. That morning, it was for the purpose of setting the stage for the word of God to give confirmation to what Pastor Joel was going to share. The Bible says that he will bear witness with two, two or three witnesses. All right. Not every time, but a lot of times he does. So it was momentary. But sometimes it's for a season. It's, God will pour out his spirit and it'll last for days. It'll last for weeks. It'll last for months and sometimes years. You've heard of some of the great revivals that have happened. God poured out his spirit in a a larger measure. And then sometimes when God pours out his spirit, it's for a lifetime. In Acts chapter 2, well, Acts chapter 1, 8, he says, you'll receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you to be witnesses unto me. That word witness in the Greek is martus. It's where we get the word martyr from. He said, you're going to receive power, dunamis, miracle-working power, to be a witness, to be a martus. In other words, I'm going to pour out my Holy Spirit in such a measure that it's going to change your life forever. You hear Jeannie, and part of her worship is, I'll never be the same. I'll never be the same. Why? Because the Holy Spirit has been poured out in great measure, and it lasts for a lifetime. It's not momentarily. It's not just for a season. It's for a lifetime. We know this is true from Scripture. We see what happened on the day of Pentecost. The disciples had the Spirit poured out upon them, 120 people. They went out and started preaching. Every person heard in their own tongues. They thought they were drunk. And that's when Peter stood up and said, These men are not drunk like you suppose, but this is that. This is that. Which Joel prophesied. And we see it begin to come to pass. Well, it didn't just end there. Because a few days later, Peter and John's walking into the temple and there's a man laying there lame. And they said, silver and gold have we none, but such as I have, give I thee in the name of Jesus. Rise up and walk. And he went running and leaping and praising God. What happened? God poured out his spirit. That was the manifestation of the gift of healing. Bang! That God poured out in that moment he didn't pour out in measure like he did on the day of Pentecost. It wasn't a rushing mighty wind, but in his life it was. Come on. He poured out his spirit. That's in Acts chapter 3 and 4. They were arrested. They brought him in and said, by what authority do you do this and heal this man? He said, by the authority of Jesus Christ, whom you crucified, have we done this. And they said, well, we can't beat them because this great miracle is done and no one can deny it. But we will threaten them and tell them, don't preach in this name anymore. And they said, whether it's right to obey God or you, you decide. Yeah. And they went back out and started preaching again. And they came together with the other apostles and they told him what had happened. And they said, God, we pray that you will confirm our, your word through signs and wonders and miracles. And the Bible says that the house shook yeah. where they were assembled. What happened? This is that. God poured out his spirit. Can you imagine this morning if this building began to shake under the presence of the Holy Spirit? I mean, how many of us would get up and run out of here? Come on, but how many would be shouting? Brother, I was almost shouting back there this morning as I'm watching Rebecca and Laura baptize these children and, 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 uh, and Sister Pam this morning. I, I'm bawling. This is that. Acts chapter 5, we see Ananias and Sapphira. They come in, they've lied to the Holy Spirit. And Peter's standing there, is like, how did he know the man was lying? How did he know that man was lying? The manifestation of the gift of the Spirit of a word of knowledge. When you know something, you have no way of knowing other than the Holy Spirit just told you. Brother Hunter sitting there, his dad is a good friend of mine brother Glenn and he's on the job and he's reading people's mail like, and they're like, how do you know that? And Glenn said, God told on you. That's how I know. God told on you. He, he, God told on you kids a lot too, didn't he Hunter growing up? <laughs> Glenn operates quite frequently in prophecy. He just, he just reads your mail. I mean, this is that. He just knew. So how did that, how did Peter know? This is that. God poured out his spirit. Ananias is lying to you, Peter. He fell dead. His wife Sapphire comes in and said, did you sound the loud for so much? She said, yeah, for so much. He said, behold the feet of the men that carried you out. They will carry you out too. How did he know she's getting ready to fall dead? How did he know that? This is that. Didn't just happen on the day of Pentecost. Happened over and over again. We see a chapter seven of Acts, Stephen preaching. You want to read something? Just read the whole chapter seven of the book of Acts. Stephen is preaching one of the most powerful sermons in the Bible. And the Bible says that him being filled with the spirit as they were stoning him to death, looked steadfastly into the heavens and said, I see Jesus standing on the right hand of the power of God. What is happening? And the pain of all that God is just opening heaven. And the Bible says that Jesus is seated on the right hand of the Father. But when Stephen saw him, he stood to his feet. Come on, he stood to his feet to welcome that saint into the kingdom. What's happening? This is that. We see it in Acts chapter 8. When Samaria received the word of God, they sent Peter and John there that they might lay hands on them, that they might also receive the Holy Spirit. For they had not received him yet, they'd only be baptized in water. And so when they went there and laid hands on them, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And Simon the sorcerer saw saw, saw that power was given by the laying on of the apostles' hands. What was that? It was an outpouring of the Spirit in Samaria. We see it in Acts chapter 9 when Ananias and Saul. Saul of Tarsus has been going around. He's been persecuting the church, arresting people, having them killed. Acts chapter 9 verse 10 says, Now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him the Lord said, what? What does it say? In a vision. In a vision. What did he say? In the last days I will pour out my spirit and old men will have Visions. And he said, Here I am, Lord. Verse 11. And so the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Straight and inquire in the house of Judas, one called Saul of Tarsus. And behold, he is praying. And in a vision he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hands upon him that he might receive his sight. Saul's on the road to Damascus. He sees a bright light. And he hears a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? He said, Who are you? He said, I'm Jesus Christ whom you persecute. And at that moment in time, Saul gives his life to God. And what happens? God pours out his spirit on him and gives him a vision. Yeah. This man hated God, hated Jesus. He hated Christians. He's putting them to death. He's putting them in prison. Church, that should be good news for you. It doesn't matter what you've done. Come on, when you come to Jesus Christ, it is all washed away. You say, well, God can never use me. He can never do anything great in my life. Look at all the things that I've done. Listen, there are no super sinners. God can do mighty things in you. It doesn't matter what you've done. Doesn't matter what your background is. And we know that by this example right here. God is pouring out his spirit on Saul of Tarsus, who will become the apostle Paul, who will go on to write two thirds of the New Testament because God is pouring out in great measure his spirit on the life of this man. We see the same thing in Acts chapter 10 where Peter's going into the house of Cornelius. Peter is up, he's he's on the house of a roof in in a house named uh, Simon a Tanner that lives by the sea and he has a vision. He has a vision. This is that. And he sees a blanket let down from heaven and every creeping thing and four-footed beast and fowl of the air and he says, arise, Peter, take, kill and eat. And he says, nay, Lord. I have never eaten anything common or unclean because are things, according to their dietary law, they can't eat. And he sees a pig walking around on that. He said, well, I can't eat that. That's unclean. It's against the Jewish law to eat that. And God says, what I have made, you don't call it common. Yeah. And he's preparing him to go into the house of a Gentile, which he would never do. At the same time, an angel appears to Cornelius and says, send servants to Simon a tanner that lives by the sea and inquire for one Simon Peter. And when he comes in, he starts preaching to them and all of a sudden, God does it again. He pours out his spirit and all these Gentiles in the house of Cornelius begin to speak in tongues and magnify God. And this is that. And he did it again. Amen. Amen. We see it when Paul is all throughout his missionary journeys he's trying to go into Asia he's going to the east God says no he tries to go to the north God says no and he has a vision and he sees a man in Macedonia saying come over here and help us and so he turns to the west and goes into Europe is the reason that the gospel came to America was because of that vision right there and he took the gospel into Europe we see it in verse Acts chapter 21 Verse 8. And on the next day, we who were Paul's companions departed to come to Caesarea and entered to the house of Philip the evangelist, who was one of the seven. These are one of the seven deacons. If you remember, the apostle says it's not fitting that we should depart from the word and prayer, but they selected seven men that they might wait on and serve the tables. They were deacons. They were servants of the people. And so Stephen is one of those, one of the seven and he stayed with him. Verse 9 says, now this man had four virgin daughters who prophesied. Now stop right there. What is happening here? Virgin daughters, you understand that in Jewish culture, women married very, very young. We don't know exactly how young, but sometimes as young as 14, 15 years old, 16 years old, they're married. So these are virgin These are kids. You understand these are young girls, four of them, and all of a sudden they started prophesying. Well, how would a child prophesy? This is that. I'm gonna pour my spirit on your daughters, on your handmaidens, and this is that. Verse 10. Where am I? Verse 10, and we and we stayed many days, and a certain prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. And when he had come to us, he took Paul's belt, bound his own feet, hands and feet, and said, Thus saith the Holy Spirit, so shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. And we see it again. God is pouring out his Spirit over and over and over and over again throughout Scripture. So we know this is true from Scripture. But what about modern history? What about now? Now, I don't want this to turn into just a history lesson, but I want you to see the the wind blowing throughout history. Sometimes it's a calm, gentle wind. We don't know where it comes from. We don't know where it goes. So is the Holy Spirit. Okay. Sometimes it's a rushing wind. It's mighty. It lasts for a season. Sometimes it's mighty. It lasts for a lifetime. In 1738 in England, it was the gin crave addiction. It was the first major cultural addiction. Everybody, were, they had signs literally that said, get drunk here for a penny. They had 7,000 gin bars in London. 650,000 people in the population. That's a gin bar for every 92 people. Now, using that same mathematic equation, there's about 000, There's about yeah, 226,000 people in Richmond, roughly. <clears throat> it would be like having 2,460-some crack houses in Richmond. That's how bad this was. The gin crave was an addiction. You could make it cheap. You could make it in your bathtub. And and, and because of it, people were robbing each other. There was prostitution everywhere. They were sex trafficking children everywhere. They had STD. It was just ravaging the entire nation. It was a dark, dark time in history. What would God do? What would he do? He's going to pour out his spirit once again on a broken missionary who loved the Lord. And he said, what, what place on the earth can I go? Who needs Jesus more than anybody else? And he went to Georgia to be a missionary to the Indians. And when he got there, he never preached to the first Indian. They needed a clergyman to fill the pulpit at the Anglican church. And he became the clergyman there. He fell in love with a beautiful girl that was the daughter of a prominent man there in Georgia. He asked her to marry him and she wouldn't have anything to do with him. So the next time they had service, he refused to serve her communion. The only way you could refuse to serve communion to a young single girl is to be able to know and prove that she was sexually impure. And so by doing that, he disgraced her in front of the whole church because by refusing to give her communion, he's saying she's sleeping around. And... The church was outraged so that they had to help, his brother had to help him escape through the swamp at night to keep from being tarred and feathered. And on his way back to Germany, John Wesley said, I went to Georgia to save the Indians, but oh, who will save me? He comes back to England. He is a broken man. And he goes to a Lutheran, he's bilingual, he can speak German. He goes to a Lutheran Bible study. And a group of Lutherans are there, and they're not even reading the Scripture. They're reading the preface to the book of Romans written by Martin Luther. And John Wesley says, my heart felt strangely warmed. What happened? In a Lutheran prayer meeting... Reading the preface to the book of Romans, God did it again. And he poured out his spirit in the life of John Wesley. And through that man, a revival broke out that changed the entire nation of England. John Koch came out of that revival, went to India and took the gospel into India. Fred Asbury came to America. And later on, John Wesley himself came here. And America had the first great awakening. Through the outpouring of the Spirit of God, this is that. Continued once again in the life of John Wesley. What would God do? (laughs) He's going to do it over and over again. But you know, when I hear that story in history, you know the question that comes to my mind. Who were those Germans? Think about that. Because what God did in the life of John Wesley was like a rushing mighty wind. But the thing that made that happen was just like a cool breeze in a Bible study. Yeah. Reading the preface to the book of Romans. Come on, that should give us hope. When we start having Bible study again on Wednesday night, Joe, that should give us hope, brother. You're just sitting around reading the Bible, and all of a sudden God does something you don't even realize He's doing. How many of these kids getting baptized this morning might be another John Wesley? Huh? Come on. You you never know. You just don't know. You don't know where the wind comes from, you don't know where it goes. We just know that God does this and He's done it throughout history. 60 years later, 1798, we're in the post revolution right here in America. There's land grabbers everywhere, there's highway robbers, bandits everywhere. The frontier is a dangerous, dangerous place. Now, when we think of the frontier, we're thinking of Wyoming. Huh? Come on, Colorado, Utah. No, the, the frontier then was Tennessee and Kentucky. Because you understand that the, that's the time of Daniel Boone finding the, the Cumberland Gap and, a, and access to the West. And so it's during that period of time, and God does it again. What's he going to do? God begins to pour out his spirit in little villages on little churches that people's never even heard of. Places like Muddy River, Clay Lick, and a little place called Cane Ridge. And suddenly the Cane Ridge revival breaks out and 20,000 people attend that revival. One man is riding a horse to go mock the people at the revival. When he got just within sight of it, he f- he was knocked from his horse and lay there for 3 days unable to move. By the presence of the power of the Spirit at the Cambridge Revival. What is it? This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. It didn't stop at Pentecost church. Yeah. Are you seeing the Say amen. amen. And you know, people don't even know who the preachers of those meetings were. It was little churches here, little churches there. And he's pouring out his spirit there and pouring out his spirit. And we don't even know who the preachers were. That's right. Cause it's not about the preachers. Come on. It's about the Holy spirit being poured out and lives being changed. Nations being changed. 1800s, we see Charles Finney do the same thing. They came to him and said, Mr. Finney, will you come to our town? He's like, what, what's the problem? He said, the, the, all the preachers are backslidden. The churches are empty and the bars are full. The streets are filled with prostitutes and, and, and it's drugs. And he said, Charles Finney said, well, that's just the place for me. Everywhere he went, revival broke out. Yeah. He, Charles Finney is one of my he, great heroes of the faith. He's, in a, he's preaching one day and the mayor of the city said, don't anybody go down to that church to that, listen to that Charles Finney guy. And, and, and Charles Finney said, I'll deal with the church and let God deal with him. And the man fell dead in his office that instant. Pastor Beecham said, if Charles Finney comes to Boston, I will meet him at the state line. If he comes to Massachusetts, I'll meet him at the state line. If he comes to Boston, I'll meet him at the city limits. If he comes to my church, I'll meet him on the church steps. And before it was over with, Brother Beecham was inviting Charles Finney to preach in his pulpit. Because there was an entire college, a university moved to another city just to sit under Charles Finney's teaching. Well, who was Charles Finney? His father was an atheist. He he fought, fought in the war of eighteen twelve, and he was an atheist. Refused to even allow a Bible into his house. Charles Finney didn't know anything about the Scripture. He he joins the he's uh, he, he becomes a cello player, and he and he I, I better move on. I'll take too much time to get anyway. He 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 goes to. To uh, I think it was Los Angeles, and he's been raised in upstate New York, which was Frontier then. He was homeschooled. They had traveling teachers that would come around just kind of catch the kids up on their learning. And so he's homeschooled. And he goes on to, to the bar exam and becomes an attorney. He studies for the bar exam, passes, and he becomes an attorney. And he's Los Angeles, and this prostitute approaches him, and he can't, for the life of him, understand what she's trying to sell him. And when he realized what she was willing to do for money, he just began to weep with shame for her. And then she was overcome with shame and ran from his presence. But he realized it the first time because his his father was was a humanist that taught that men are by nature, all men are good. And he realized that men are not good. Long story short, he became the master of music in a church and he doesn't even believe in God because he was an excellent cello player. And he's overhearing the pastor in the Presbyterian church teach on, on predestination. And because he had to study the book of Romans to pass his bar exam, he understood that for by grace you're saved through faith, it's not by works, lest any man should boast. That every man is a sinner. That if you believe in Jesus Christ, you'll be saved. And he realized what this man is teaching these kids is not right, according to Paul's letter to Rome. And so he starts to be concerned about these kids. And he's in his office. And he's saying, what about the souls of these kids? And he heard in his imagination. Come on. What about my soul? And in Charles Finney's memoirs, he said he went out behind his office, he knelt down beside an old log, and he received Christ as his Savior and simultaneously received the baptism of the Spirit. He said, waves and waves of liquid love float over me so that if it continued, I believe I would have died. He walked back in his office. He closed his books. He was getting ready to go into court, and he told his clients, I'm turning your case over to this other man's. Henceforth, I shall present the case for Christ. That's who Charles Finney was. And God did it again, and he poured out his spirit on this great man. In the 1900s, we see a little black man with one eye from Houston, Texas, and God does it again, and he pours out his spirit on William Seymour, who goes to a burned-out livery stable. Come on, this is where horses used to leave their food. An old barn. And the greatest outpouring of the Spirit since Pentecost happened in the 1900s right there in Azusa Street in Los Angeles, California. A, a revival that lasted over 100 years. Because God poured out his spirit in great measure there in Azusa Street on William Seymour. In the 1930s, we see it again, over and over. Men like Jack Coe, Billy Sunday, William Brownham, Oral Roberts. Not all these men continued in the faith and, and did everything just right, but that doesn't change the fact that God poured out his spirit. Are you seeing this church? This is that. What about in my lifetime? Now, I can't speak for everybody in here. I, it's hard to believe when we go to the district council, now Jeannie and I were like, we're the old people at the district council. When I'm preaching I don't feel old. But I'm an old guy, so I can't speak for many of you, but how many of you remember the the, the year of love? It's nineteen sixty seven. And and Haight-Ashbury in California, and everybody's going, says, when you go to Haight-Ashbury, put a flower in your hair, because you'll find a lot of loving people there. And you got people with flowers in their hair and the flower children. Pam, you remember that, don't you? (laughs) I remember the flower children. Yeah, Jeannie and I got accused of being flower children. (laughs) We were kind of the offshoot of that. Because the flower children, it started out with the beatniks in the 60s. And then they become flower children. And then they become full-fledged hippies. Well, I i were one of them. When I met Jeannie, I could retry and pull on my hair like this. And my bell-bottom hip-huggers and my sandals, Jesus sandals, my tank top t-shirt. And I was about that big. Doing a lot of stuff I shouldn't have been doing. Well, what's Jesus going to do? I mean... They went out to California expecting free love, free sex, free drugs. and Instead, they found the Zodiac Killer. Serial killer. They never have caught him. Runaway teenagers being taken and forced into sex trafficking. Homelessness. New strains of STDs. The hippies were in despair. They were in all kind of drug culture. They were dying from o Having bad trips from LSD and... It was was a horrible time. People, these kids were empty. They were searching for meaning. And like I said earlier, they they didn't know Jesus from Dr. Zeus. They they didn't know anything about Jesus. What's God going to do? He did it again. Only this time he used the hippies themselves. And God began to pour out his spirit on all them little stringy-headed hippies. And they become what we know as the Jesus freaks. The Jesus people. And that's why I'm here today. Because that same movement had got a hold of my life. Because it, it turned in what was known as the charismatic renewal. It was a spontaneous revival that just broke out across the nation. God began to pour out his spirit in Baptist churches, and Methodist churches, and Presbyterian churches, and Episcopal churches, and Lutheran churches, and Catholic churches. The charismatic renewal. God was pouring out his spirit in all those churches throughout the 60s and 70s. What was it? This is that. Yeah. This is that. Yeah. Come on. Come on. Which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Out of that came YWAM Youth with a Mission, Christ for the Nations, the Vineyard Churches, Calvary Chapel, yes. the River Churches. Yes. It continued throughout the 80s and the 90s. God poured out his spirit in Argentina, great revival down there. Poured out his spirit in Toronto, a great revival up there. Yeah. Poured out his spirit in Pensacola, Florida, the Brownsville Revival. My daughter's a product of that. So was Hunter. He's a graduate of BRSM, Brownsville Revival School of Ministry. They would go to class, and they're studying class, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit would move into class, and the whole class would come under the power of the Spirit. One day, one of the students was walking down the hallway, and they looked in the room, and the whole class... They're just praising God and they're worshiping God and and singing and they're supposed to be in there learning their lesson and the Holy Spirit is broken out. He goes down the hall and says, the Spirit's moving in so-and-so's class. They get up and go in there and they join them. Mike Brown and the fire ministry, I didn't agree with the way Mike Brown left Brownsville, but all that's been restored, and he's got a great ministry now. If you want to look up Mike Brown, he's a, he's a Jewish scholar. Man reads Greek like he's reading the newspaper. Well, he was the president then, and he said, well, let me just say this. We want to teach you the scholastics and the lessons in, in the Scripture, but one touch from God can do more than four years of Bible college. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. So we're not going to quench the Spirit. If that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do today, then we're not going to quench the Spirit. Yeah. And God just continue to move. Yeah. Yeah. And then we stand here in 2021 and things look really bad. Or is it just me? Things aren't looking so pretty good right now. It's, it's not just the pandemic. It's a lot of things going on right now that is disturbing to me i mentioned the other day that the 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 national leader said that he was going to go after religious extremists i don't even know what that means i i I shudder to think what that means things look dark but don't lose heart church things have looked dark throughout history if you want to do an interesting study sometime look up the french prophets or the white camisards and the black camisards. And they were being persecuted. And God poured out his spirit on the French. They had children. You remember the, we read that, that Philip's daughters prophesied? They had children speaking in, in another language. Then they didn't even speak their own language very well. Standing up and prophesying in a different language. And it was a very, very dark time in history. So God is, God's not, he's not like, oh, it's bad and I can't do anything, just change this. God can change a nation yes. Yes. by just pouring out his spirit on an individual. Yes. And he, it, there's no certain pattern in how he does this. There's no prediction in how he's going to do it. It's like the wind. You don't know when, where, how, on whom, for what purpose. But this I know. God will pour out his spirit on all flesh your sons and your daughters shall prophesy your young men shall see visions your old men shall dream dreams in those days and I will pour out of my spirit on your daughters and they shall prophesy I know this because the word declared it and we've seen history it's proved it over and over and over and over and over again I don't know when, where, how, or whom, but I know he will do it again. Amen. Hunter, would you guys come on up? Could it be that God will do it here? They say it is here. Somebody said, amen. It is here. Listen, and you're right. It is here. God pours out his spirit. It may not be a rushing mighty wind that changes a nation. You know, and that's, I would love to see that happen. But I am happy to see God just pour out his spirit on an individual. Just, and their life changes. Maybe it's momentarily. Maybe they're going through something. And it's like, I don't know how I'm going to face tomorrow. And the wind blows in their life. And God gives them the strength to go another day. They couldn't have made it without that. God pours out their spirit. He knows just what you need, when you need it, how much you need. And his arm is not short, church. He still does this today. And he does it in your life. And he'll continue to do it in your life. So when you look around, you see things are bad, whether it's bad in your personal life, whether it's bad in the, on your job, your finances, your home, your family, your health, the nation, the world. Don't lose hope. God's still pouring his spirit out today. Amen. Still pouring his spirit out today. Now I'm going to ask you if you stand to your feet, please. I'm going to pray with you. If somebody else was here, and Pastor Joel said, if you wanted to be baptized, the tub is warmed up. And come on, I checked it very, very carefully. Usually I get it hot enough you can boil chicken, but it's just about right now. It might be a little chilly, but I don't know. It's not too cold. We'll be more than glad to baptize you this this morning before you leave. So. <clears throat> If that's you, I always make that offer. You know, when Philip baptized the eunuch, he's, he's reading the book of Isaiah. And he said, do you know what you're reading, who you're reading about? He said, how can I unless someone explains it to me? And Philip climbs up in the chariot with him and he starts teaching him about Jesus. And he halts the chariot and says, here's water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? He said, you can be baptized if you believe. And he took him down and baptized him. And then he was translated. He was caught up in. They found him in Samaria. That's actually how Samaria received the word of God was Philip went there and preached. And so I say to you, here's water. What doth hinder you to be baptized? So if you want to be baptized and if you make your way to the front and Pastor Joel, he's going to suit up and baptize you this morning. So with that said, I'm going to pray. If there's anyone here and you've never committed your life to Christ, why not today? The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Now is the time commit your life to Christ. Listen, if you're here this morning and you've made some bad choices, who in this room has not made bad choices? Come on. There's been times I've gone to the altar because I was a mess. My life was a mess. My dad was a pastor. As a kid growing up. Man, almost every Sunday I was at the altar because I knew I'd been a bad boy. It didn't last. Once I got filled with the Holy Spirit, it lasted. But my point is this. God's arms are open to you all the time. He said, whosoever will may come. He'll never reject you. Never reject you. He said, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will open the door, I will come unto him and we will sup together. In other words, he's going to come in and fellowship with you. He's going to sit down and have a cup of tea with you. That's what he's talking about. We're going to have fellowship together, sweet fellowship. So if you've had a walk with God and you've wandered from that and you know your life is not where it should be today, why don't you rededicate your life to Christ? Amen. Pam, I appreciate what you shared when you are baptized this morning that you just want to give more and more of yourself to Jesus. I can say that now. I couldn't say it then because I was sitting over blubbering like a Baby, (laughs) you bless me, sister. You did. Come on, how many of you want to give it all to Jesus? Come on. He doesn't just want part of you, He wants all of you. That's why we call Him Lord. He's not just my Savior, He's my Lord, the Lord of my life. I want to give it all to Him. So if you haven't done that this morning, I encourage you to do that before we dismiss Father we thank you so much God we thank you for your word God many thousands of years ago you moved on a prophet named Joel and he foretold of these days that we're living in right now you're still pouring your spirit out you blow the wind calmly you blow it with great might when, where and how you choose And, Lord, we would ask you, Father, to pour out your spirit again. God, pour out your spirit in America, God. Lord, I pray for Hong Kong today. Lord, they're they're wanting freedom, God. They're wanting to worship you freely, Lord. And the pastors and the churches are under such persecution there today. Lord, I pray for them, God. Have mercy, Lord. Pour out your spirit there, God. Pour out your spirit in China, God. Pour it out on the leadership there, God, that they will stop persecuting their people. God, we pray you pour out your spirit, God, behind the 1040 window. God, we pray you pour out your spirit, God, in North Korea, Lord, where they're oppressed, Father. God, we pray that you pour out your spirit on Capitol Hill, Lord, for our leaders, Father. God, you can change a nation. You've done it in the past, God. And we know that you can do it again. So, Lord, we pray that you would pour out your spirit again and again and again. Do it one more time now, Father. In this hour we're living in. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hunter, let's sing a worship to the Lord, and then I'll dismiss us in prayer.
1: thousands thousand stories of what they think you're like, but I heard a tender whisper of love in the dead of night and the you're pleased and that I never alone. You're good, good father. It's who you are, it's who you are, it's who you are, and I'm loved by you, it's who I am. I see many searching for answers, both far and wide, but I know we're all searching for answers, only you provide because you know just what we need before we see your world. Oh
2: it's here in Louisa I mean I want Washington to change I want China to change I want that they know God or they've heard of God they may have heard of God but they're going to hell because they haven't made that commitment and that decision that I am undone with shame the stitch of my up. We're messed up. Without Jesus, we're messed up. But when you come to him, I'll never be the same no-
0: Of surrender, Can we just lift our hands to the Lord? And say, God, he, he said in the book of Isaiah, said, Whom shall we send? Whom shall we send? Who will go for us? And Isaiah said, Here am I, Lord. Send me. We don't know when, where, how, on whom God will pour out his spirit. It may be some Antifa guy that's up here down cities that God will just touch him and he bring you revival throughout the nation we don't know but what if it's you huh? what if it's you Lord we just open our arms to you right now and receive God whatever calling whatever demand God whatever requirement you have of us Lord Father we say as Isaiah did here am I Lord send me Father, I pray that we will reach out to people this week, God, to bring them to Christ. Could I do this as a challenge? I'm going to leave the baptismal pool set up this week. Next Saturday, I'm going to come in here. we got a circulation pump in this thing and a heater. All right, I circulate it, I filter it, and I heat it up. I'm going to have it heated and ready to go. Can you bring somebody to be, that's, that's come to Christ to be baptized next week? let's just let's just put the fleece out there and let's see what happens amen let's put it out there not only that but lord there are many things that we simply cannot do in our strength and in our flesh and lord just as we have talked about this morning god these things we can't predict them we can't set the stage for them lord it happens when you say where you say how you say on whom you say but lord If our willingness to go and do stands in the way of that, Lord, we want to just remove that right now, God. And in Jesus' name, Lord, we stand before you and say, Here I am, God, send me. And if you're wanting to do something, you're wanting to put out your spirit here, God, in great measure or small, Lord, I don't want to be the one that hinders that. So, Father, each of us, we say now, Lord, we're willing to do as you bid us, Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. For your glory, God. Lord, we, we don't look for recognition. We don't look for honor. God, the great Cane Ridge outpouring, we don't even know who those preachers were that preached and brought in and ushered in that great revival. Thousands of people's lives were changed as a result of that. So, Lord, we're not looking for recognition and notoriety. We want to glorify you, God. So have your way, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Now, Lord, as we leave this place, Lord, I, I just speak a blessing, Father, over the body of Christ, Lord. A blessing over their home, Father. God, may it be a place where the Holy Spirit is honored. Lord, may they read the word of God out loud in their home and let it just saturate in the walls, in the carpet, in the ceiling, in the the, the, the instruments, in the, the couches, and everything, God. Saturate our homes, Father, with your word and your truth. Lord, would it strengthen the family, Lord. I pray for husbands and wives, Lord, that their relationship become so strong in you, God, and children and their parents, God, the children to be obedient to their parents, God. I pray a special blessing, Father, over those that are walking alone today, God, that's looking for their mate. Father, may you guide their paths, Lord. Help them to find one another, Lord, so that they can start their journey together, Father, as you intended now, in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.